This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com. Our mission here at the Talking Taiao podcast is to inspire and support people, businesses and communities to value the environment and act to prioritise sustainability. We would like to highlight our region's efforts in acting as guardians of the land, Taranaki Tiaki Taiao, while weaving Te Reo Māori and Mātauranga within our conversations to help our wider community learn through a positive, educational and uplifting lens. Kia ora listeners and welcome again to Talking Taiao. On this episode, we're chatting to an incredibly talented local creative who is using her superpowers of kupu ingarahi Ingarihi, or English words, to inspire children and their families all over the world, all over the world, not just in New Zealand, to protect wildlife. So thank you so much for taking the time out today to come and chat with me, Helen. That's okay. I'm, I'm honoured. It's, it's, it's lovely to see you again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's always awesome to see you. Like, we're always doing different things in the yeah. community. I just saw you on stage the other week for... Um, a school of rock? Yes, a school of hits. Yeah, school of hits. That's right, school of hits at um, the Plymouth International. Yeah, yes. that's been lots of fun. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. It was a, it's a, it was a really great night. But it was another highlight of how creative and talented you are. So <laughs> just thought I'd plug that for you. Um, so we'll start with the first question. Um, you're an author of a new and exciting children's book, Treasure Beyond Measure, which we have in front of me, and I have my own signed copy. Um, and it's only growing in popularity. So could you please tell us, Helen, what is Treasure Beyond Measure all about and what inspired you to write it? Okay. Uh, well, Treasure Beyond Measure is a sophisticated picture book and um, it celebrates the richness of language, but it has this tie to biodiversity and the fact that if we don't look after the planet and we don't protect biodiversity, then we're not going to have these amazing words that we use to describe groups of animals, which is why it's called a collective noun safari. So we get to go on a journey through the book and um, en route you learn the names of um, different groups of animals until you come to one species in particular that is um, the most dangerous species on the planet. Um, and um, yeah, it, it sort of takes a, a an environmental twist from that point. Yeah, you're talking about the in part, eh? I am talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about what has been referred to as a velvet hammer, which uh, I think is quite cool, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Interesting. Well, we won't give too much away okay. about the book, but that's a really good sort of like cliffhanger for people to sort of uh, entice them into maybe <laughs> checking the book out. Um, so yeah, you have a you have a background in working with children um, and in linguistics, is it? I do, yeah. yeah. So I studied linguistics at university. It was part of my uh, speech and language therapy degree. So um, over four years, just sort of really got a love of language and um, and then I guess I went into speech language therapy because it was as close as you could get to teaching within the medical uh, side of things. And my family have 
a very medical bias. Um, and ultimately, I did end up taking, doing my primary teaching qualification, um, which got me into classrooms and, and uh, gave me an appreciation of teaching as well as being able to sort of create, know what it's like to plan and create lessons. So um, that too informed the writing of the book because then I was able to say, okay, if I was a teacher and I, and I wanted this as a resource, uh, what would I, what, you know, how would I make that happen and what, how, what, would, what is a good resource like? Um, yeah, so that was helpful. So, you know, language, education, and then of course, you know, having a care, um, you know, caring about what happens to our planets and for future generations is something we should all be very mindful of in our, um, in our daily lives. So, yeah, it was really a combination of, of those things, really linguistics, education, and, and uh, that, that mindfulness about conservation that ultimately ended up in this, the creation of what started out as a poem. Um, I didn't... I never actually planned to write a book. It was a it was a poem to start with, um, and then having performed that poem at WOMAD and getting a lovely response to it, um, the wheels of publishing started turning, and ultimately it became a book. Yeah, so a very uh, quite a unique book. I was just um, explaining before, as we were chatting before this um, interview, you know, like. You were talking about when teachers, because you've been promoting it through virtual school visits and things like that, which is yeah. really creative. It's just another example of how creative you are. I know I keep bragging about how creative <laughs> she is, but she really is. She plays violin even. I'm just kind of fangirling over you. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you, were, you were talking about how it's not just about about the message and, and the... Um, collective nouns part so yes. like teachers would use it as a oh yeah collective nouns you yeah know, so they can use it from a it, it has real cross-curricular appeal mm. you know you can sit and, and and you know you can plan literacy around it and do the collective noun stuff and you know I've been thrilled to be able to go into schools and discover this amazing artwork and that's been inspired by the book so you know that's very cool too that, that it, it, it sort of prompts teachers and students to you know do their own create their own artworks and drawings and and um and then obviously from a social sciences perspective um there's a lot to unpack Mm -hmm. you know um so at a very superficial level it can look like a very pretty book about animals but when you actually take the time to look a little bit closer there is um there you can look on the pages and discover you know what it is that we're doing um that you know, there are examples on each double spread about uh, of the way in which humans are potentially harming um, wildlife habitats and um, things that we need to address. Um, and if you spot those, then it's a, it opens up the door to be able to sort of talk about um, what are we going to do about it? Because ultimately, you know, the book talks about belonging to a kind of humans and humankind and what that means. Um, and um, it's not necessarily just going, oh, well, yeah, that's a problem. It's about, well, okay, if it's a problem, what are we going to do about it, and how do we action that? So when I wrote it, it was very much um, about if I was going to create, you know, turn this poem into a book, it needed to be something that um, prompted um, thought. I wanted it to be thought-provoking, but also then to prompt action. You know, what, what are we going to do, each of us? And, and, you know, I'm not talking... 
about huge things. I, one of the things when I do my virtual visits, it's about making sure that each of us or each of, if I, if each of the students in the sessions that I run can just do one small thing every day. You know, the cumulative effect of that is is huge. Mm. Um, and so that's what, you know, I leave the sessions asking them to think about. And it's really nice to get feedback afterwards. You know, even just a little note saying, you know, I'm going to make sure I switch off my light when I leave my bedroom. Great. You know, like, hey, mission accomplished. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, I love that you, like on social media, you share like little feedback um, quotes um, from from that uh, that feedback from the students and the families and the and the teachers, um, w- yeah. Can you share more examples of that impact that you've had from the students or the schools so far? Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, we, we've um, done. There's, yeah, I mean, I've got lots of feedback. I tend to, I tend to, my Facebook page tends to be sort of a, a constant. Um, uh, I tend to share a lot around um, what I'm doing with my book and how people are responding to it and the range of people that are responding to it too. You know, some people buy it for their grandchildren and some people buy it, you know, um, because their child came home from school and raved about this book that's (laughs) been presented. and, And, you know, I even had one woman come up to me and she said, you know, I bought this book for my husband because he loves collective nouns and he read it and then um, he went to the pub quiz and he won the pub quiz because he'd read my book. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I think it has, it has appeal across the ages. It's not just about, oh yeah, it's a children's book. It's, it's very much a, um, a picture book, which, you know, all, if a, a, a picture book of substance should, you know, help with language development it should sort of encourage creativity it should inspire people um and yeah and i've you know key one of my key values is about making a difference you know that's why that's that's my why Mm. is making a difference whether it's through my poetry whether it's through um my work as a speech language therapist or whether it's my you know playing the violin on stage at the Plymouth International you know (laughs) if I'm making a difference to somebody's evening then then or or day or hour or minute whatever it is then you know I'm I'm a happy bunny yeah I'm a pretty happy bunny when you do those (laughs) things too (laughs) um so it's about time for a song have you had a good think about a potential song that we could play Oh, yikes. That, this, that's really hard because my taste in music is so varied. It's all good. Um, that I've been sort of thinking, what could I do? What, what, what could I suggest? Um, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go, <laughs> I think I'm going to go back to the 80s, if that's all right. Let's I'm going to a bit self-indulgent because, you know, grew up in the 80s. And I'm going to choose a track called The Word Girl by Scritti Politti, which was a hit in 85. And it always reminds me of a, um, time where I, I did a lot of travelling that year. Um, so, yeah, The Word Girl by Squiddy Pillity.
back um, and we are going to talk about your journey with this book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us about all about that. Okay. It's quite a journey. <laughs> I was part of it. Oh, you feel, were a part yay. of it. You were a big part of it. It was lovely to have you, you know, to have somebody as supportive as you, as you alongside me with that. It, it, you know, to have those pom-poms out every now and again and go, oh, okay, I'm doing okay. Because it's a very scary road and, you know, and it's not an easy road either because, you know, if it was easy, then everybody would do it. Um, uh, but I guess, uh, you know, and my even venturing into writing is something that I, you know, have only really recently done, I would say within the last five years. Um, and um, the the poetry that sort of came from that and, and, and you know, um, yeah, I wrote lots and lots of poems as, as, as my way of managing my well-being, you know. Um, so I really sort of started writing poetry in, in March 2017. <laughs> and then in September 2017, it was Conservation Week. And by that time, I'd sort of been doing about six months worth of writing and, and saw a, a post, I think it was, about the fact that um, some uh, poems were wanted for a present, uh, an exhibition, if you like, if you up at, on the mountain. Um, so I sat down one Sunday afternoon. It's funny, I can remember exactly where I was. I sat down one Sunday afternoon in my dining room, no, um, in my lounge rather, on the couch, and I wrote five poems, one of which was the collective noun poem. And that one stuck with me a little bit. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, um, it became the first poem I ever performed in public um, at WOMAD. That was, ah. Yeah, it was the first poem I ever performed at WOMAD was my collective noun poem. Oh. And um, so I sat, yeah, and then obviously came off stage and got that feedback that everybody liked it. Um, and, you know, I, it was written for, it was written for a WOMAD audience. So... <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that yeah. word. So it needed a bit of sanitizing if I was going to make it a children's book and also needed to sort of think carefully about how. It was also a spoken word poem. So I had given no thought to the way in which the words were going to be illustrated and how the illustrator was going to put everything together because, you know, in the original poem, I had a gorilla next to a goldfish. And we know that goldfish and gorillas do not exist in the same habitat. Yeah. So I had a bit of rewriting to do, and it was sort of like a real auditory visual jigsaw puzzle, being able to sort of completely rewrite stuff and then get feedback from other people and um, get used to getting feedback and, you know, that whole creative process about not beating yourself up about things too much. Um, but then also remaining very true to yourself, especially when people have misinterpreted what you're trying to achieve with a book. So, um, for example, when I sent it to one publishing company, they took one look at it and said, oh, we, we think it should be two books, one book about conservation and one book about collective nouns. So you should do two books. And I'm like, well, no, that's not the point. You've completely missed the point here. And it's not, um, and maybe that's because I haven't maybe expressed it correctly. And, that, you know, I'll go back and sort that out. But, um, yeah, but again, I, I, you know, I was having the confidence to say, actually, no, I know what I'm trying to achieve here. And I, I'm not going to, divide it into two books because there are plenty of books about collective nouns you know and I wanted this to have its point of difference in the fact that if we don't look after the planet then we won't have the groups of animals and won't be able to use these amazing words that we use to describe them 
Um, yeah, so it took me three years to actually create the book um, because, you know, life was getting in the way as well. There were other things to do, the family, and I had my business to operate. And, and um, yeah, it was just a busy time. And, and uh, But Treasure Beyond Measure was always there on the sort of back burner on the board. And then I'd bring it up and take a look at it and work at it and put it back. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I had a very clear vision about what I wanted to achieve. And um, I got offered a publishing deal, but uh, I sort of felt that uh, um, I yeah I, I guess I kind of felt that um, my vision it was being taken away from me mm. and I wasn't prepared to compromise that um, so I stuck to my guns and and um, made some inquiries and worked really hard to create a book that um, would sit alongside your Rick Reardon's and your <laughs> and your Dr Zeus's and and um, yeah uh, and uh, you know it, along at, in unity books in wellington which ultimately the book did you know it Yay. was sat next to all these amazing authors and and it didn't look out of place mm. you know um so that was what i sort of set about achieving and i'm really proud of of what it became and and um and the reactions that it got as well so it's funny that you bring up Brooke Reardon because my other friend Kim, um, Gracie Kim, yes. she, she's published her book with Brooke Reardon and it's yeah. around um, because she never sort of, and I felt the exact same way because I always related to Cho Chong and um, or Cho Chong in Harry Potter because she was the only Asian right. um, representation in that book. So I was like, I'm her <laughs> because I'm Asian. <laughs> and so, um, and, 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 I'm sh- and that wasn't a... Um, like I didn't feel that um, by myself. Like mm. there are so many other um, children, diverse children who who experienced that, and so she wrote a book about three um, um, Korean American young gr- girls, and it's based around Korean mythology. Mm, and fabulous. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm excited to read it. It's still sitting on my bookshelf with like a hundred other books that I still need to read. <laughs> but I'm I'm excited to read it because I'll there's that diversity and there's a message mm. in in that story. So mm. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about having you having your book pretty much, you know, very close to hers on, yeah, on the bookshelf. Yeah, yeah, isn't that cool books. for you? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so yeah. I got my pom-poms Hooray. out. I'm like, look at my friends, they're doing Your amazing. arms will be aching. I know, <laughs> <laughs> big muscles. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, it's so cool that we have a local um, author who's got her your, your books all over New Zealand and, and overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just um, got um, the books in the UK now, and I've been doing some... Um, because the book definitely has a global message, you know, I, um, I've been reaching out to schools um, in Australia and uh, Vietnam and South Africa. Um, I've got a school in Charlotte over in the US that are interested, so um, that'll be probably something I do in the start of next year. Um, so, uh, so yeah, just sort of spreading the tentacles of the, <laughs> of the book yeah. to overseas audiences and uh, getting very similar positive responses, you yeah. know, which is, which is good because it is a book that I, you know, I hope has impact. Yeah, yeah, totally does. Like I, I, I've been my nephew's only two, mm. and I can only 
communicate with him through video calling. And so I've used your book and, and pointed at, at animals. And I'm like, what's that one called? And he's like, shark, you know, monkey, yeah. blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, it's great for vocab development for yeah. the young ones. So, you know, it, yeah, it has. So the, the appeal is you can do heaps of vocab development, animal noises and all sorts for the little ones, <laughs> you know. Um, and then uh, as they get older, they sort of buy into their words um, that are used and, and then as they get older again they buy into the environmental element of it mm. um, and then um, you know adults and like I said grandparents really sort of enjoy the educational aspect of it you know um, it's not it's not a tablet and it's not um, you know it's something that can be shared and together and, and it doesn't matter and everybody gets something out of it you know Um yeah. Yeah, it's very dynamic. Like, so, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, so we're kind of nearing at the end of this um, all, but what sort of tips, tricks, advice would you give someone who was thinking about writing a book? Ah. <laughs> um, I, I, I've, I've always been, this, like, this is going to make me sound like a real geek now, um, <laughs> but Star Trek... Um, <laughs> Watch Star Trek. <laughs> yes, and uh, Jean Luc Picard, um, one of the best captains. Um, he always said, "Make it so," you know. And I and I live by that. I think if you want something, if you want to achieve something um, badly enough, then you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you can set that goal for yourself. Work out what it is that you need to make that happen, mm-hmm. and then just do it. You know, get out there and do it. Um, and don't listen, you know, other people will have their own opinions, but they're not doing it. You know, it's not what they want to do. It's not their dreams. Yeah, they can have their opinions. But ultimately, you know, um, yeah, you know, funnily enough, they'll be the ones that come back and pat you on the back and go, oh, well, yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I know yeah. So, so, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, if, if you Go want it, it, if you want it hard enough, you make it happen. Make it so. Cool. That mm. is very inspiring and, and totally doable for so many people um, who have a vision and a goal and something that they want to achieve. Yeah. People, you'll find your cheerleaders. Find mm. your find <laughs> cheerleaders. Find your cheerleaders. I've got mine. She's rather marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, um, thank you so much um, for all your mahi, for all the time that you're putting into promoting this book worldwide. Um, and thank you for talking with me today, Helen. That's okay, obviously. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's a pleasure beyond measure. This show is created and made possible by Sustainable Taranaki. Sustainable Taranaki is a charitable trust that was started in 1992 in Inglewood by a group of progressive environmentalists. It now has grown and expanded its reach but keeps the same vision of prioritizing our environment and educating the community. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth. Thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com.